This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. and I don't know how to live my life without you. (laughs) Happy to see you. Happy to see you as always. Hi, Avrin. Hi, Vanya. Hi, guys. I'm Vanya and I am the rom. And I'm Avrin and I am the crime. And this is a rom crime. Rom crime. Rom crime. (laughs) This is our true crime comedy podcast where we talk about true crime that has romancing romancing <laughs> romancing to push a poo. Um, I honestly don't know what's wrong with me today but uh, I'm a little scattered because my children are annoying the shit out of me I'm sorry I'm also a mother of two romantic drippings romantic romantic oh god Avril. Um, romantic seasonings yeah I think part of the reason I couldn't think of one is because the second part of our journey today is so upsetting yeah yeah the last, I mean, the first part I think is so fascinating. Yeah. Because yeah. what a crazy story just in terms of the meteoric rise. Dorothy but, Stratton, everybody. Oh, yes. This is Playboy. part two. Part two of our Bunny. Our Dorothy Stratton playmate. Playboy playmate. Sexy, sexy, sexy lady. beautiful, kind young lady story. Yeah. And part two is worse than part yeah, one. Yeah, worse. But before we get into that, how you been? I've been good. How you been? Oh, I've been good. You have a good week? Um, I did. Let me tell you one thing. Okay. Okay. So I did. I posted. If you guys follow us on Instagram, mum dork. But um, <laughs> and and actually, I did post on Twitter a couple weeks ago. I'm so, so proud of I, you. But thank you. I'm trying, guys. Anybody out there, social media experts? Just seriously, help us out. I will make you food. Anything. I'm Anyways. really good at getting three likes. That's great. guaranteed every time I post something. <laughs> it's my mom, your mom, mm-hmm. and probably my sister. Yeah. <laughs> we need to like push our other siblings. Yeah, Anyways. really. We're, uh, <laughs> come on, Mackies. 
I know you're I, listening. I'm just going to text me you're listening. all my friends. Yeah. Guys, I just posted, go go like please it. Please go like it. Please, please, no, please. We, we love you. We we appreciate anyone's support. Yes, um, we do. We're so, yeah. We we're just, you. we're figuring out the social media of it I all. love it. You know what? It's the first time in my life I've allowed myself to just be on this journey and I'm happy to be on it yeah, with you. Yeah, me too. I'm happy to be on it with you. Thank you. Me too. But anyways, my obsession of late, and I think everyone, is that freaking crazy show on Netflix. It's a documentary, three-part series called Don't fuck with cats i need to watch it oh my god i don't know how i haven't watched it. it's very upsetting and i was like can you tell me what it's about without ruining it for me um yes okay okay so there's these amazing people who are like sort of internet well there's a couple people who are like not they're not they're like they have avatars but they go on the internet for like to release tension okay so there's one lady named body moving body moving Body moving. Oh, like keep your body moving. Anyways, it's a Beastie Boy song. But she's she becomes this like basically like a investigator. Her and this guy John Green basically crack the case before anybody else does. But they see a video that is a disturbing, such an upsetting video where two like two baby kittens are killed. <gasps> and that's all I'm gonna say. Okay. And it leads to the worst thing that you can imagine, honestly. And also it happens in Canada, just like our story today. So many things in Canada. Oh, Canada. guys. And they mention in the, this is why I posted about it because they mention in the first episode that this crazy guy who it's all about, he goes to the sun, like the Vancouver sun, which is like, I can't remember if it's a rag mag, but it's like, whatever he goes to them, he's like, I'm being stalked by people because everyone's saying that I'm, I'm married to, I, I want to, I'm boyfriend and girlfriend with Carla Homolka. And oh, yeah. And I was Carla like, Homolka. that's why I posted because I was like, anybody who doesn't know that story, which I think most people do, but I didn't know before we did it. So. I mean, I, I knew of it, but I didn't really know the, the gruesome, story. Yeah. yeah. So, so if you really want all the nitty gritty yeah. yucky, listen to our episode, yeah, episode 13, right? All. Yeah. So I'm loving that. Um, By the way, the other thing that I'm loving, oh, wait, you go. What, oh, do you, what no, are you watching? I, no, I really want to watch that. Okay. So. Whew, I don't know if the, if people are going to hate on me for this, but I'm just going to say it because right now Let what I'm just, I, I'm gonna. So I am halfway through season two of Succession, which I'm loving. Yeah. I love it, love it, love it. And um, I just won like Golden Globes for, I think, this first season. So oh. I feel justified that yeah. it's not just a show about, I mean, it is just a show about assholic rich white people right. but that it is a good tv quality tv right yes. if the golden globes you know are your standard for good tv yeah, yeah which i mean for me they are but did you ever watch that show you oh no i didn't okay so season two just dropped on netflix yeah my sister was saying and um i am four episodes into it i don't know why i like i mean i do know why i like it because i like any good kind of suspenseful gritty dirty crimey show yeah but it's like so beautiful cw'd but so dark but so dark okay and really messed up and um so i'm just like it's like about a guy who stalks a girl right well that was season one oh and so now in season two small spoiler alert he has left new york and moved to la i find lately because you know we both came from New York. Our circumstances were very different in our moves here. Right, true. So when I moved to LA, it happened very quickly, much like you, but yours was for a job and mine was for like a family situation and happened really fast without too much time to like really wrap my brain around it. Literally, I had a week. Right. It's crazy shit. 
I um, and so uh, I don't know lately I don't know if it's just been on my mind mm -hmm. like the differences and the changes in my life from being in New York to being here but I feel like everything I watch yeah has this weird in your faceness about New York versus LA mm. so I talked um, to you a little bit I think I even mentioned it in the last episode that we did about a marriage story right which yes. one of the biggest parts of that is LA based versus New York based right, and yeah that and the complications of that and then they kind of show the differences and it doesn't make either one better but it just like pulled my heart yeah into like a million pieces because i was like yeah, I, can try to, uh, I don't even know i gotta yeah yeah and then um so you season two season one totally took place in new york very like brooklyn places that i knew very well yeah and now it's taking place in los angeles because he had to leave new york because of some shit that went down at the end of the first season right. which i won't spoil it but it's also just been so funny because he's like making fun of L.A., the main yeah. guy who's the stalker and totally crazy. Like, I feel like the character seems he was seemed batshit crazy in the first season. But right. he seems like truly off his fucking nut in this season. Uh -oh. And I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm ex I, listen, I don't know if I'll watch that one because it seems very you, upsetting you, you to me. You wouldn't like it, but I feel like <laughs> I've, 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 you're, you've taken a, a giant step forward. It's true. I mean, the fact that you're watching the Don't Fuck With Cats, I, know. I haven't even seen That's that. That's actually really true because that one is messed up. Even my friend, I was talking to my friend on Sunday and she was like, yeah, I had to leave the room. Like she couldn't finish it, right. you know? So, the, I mean, so, I haven't even Good for me, look at me. It. Look at you, you true but crime buff. But I feel like... That one has, it doesn't have a happy ending, but the people who work so hard, I'm just fascinated with them. It's amazing. Well, it's also, it's, I mean, I'm 100% going to watch it, especially now that you just described kind of what it's about. Because yeah. I love, I want to solve a case. Oh, exactly. You're going to die. Just I want to be the person that's like, it. I figured this out when nobody else figured it out yet. Yeah. No. Save the day. Maybe that's what we do in our minds as if we wished we could by covering our stories here right or maybe we'll start going towards more cold case type things Ooh. and see if we can't solve them oh my god can you imagine i practically felt like we solved natalie wood i know i mean I agree we didn't solve it but i think we've we've come to the conclusion that is correct yeah i agree yeah <laughs> no totally okay so it's part two guys part two um episode 16 yes. of the murder and exploitation of dorothy stratton, stratton who was 1980s Playboy Playmate of the Year. Yeah, she was gorgeous, beautiful model, both. She and also quite talented. Actress. Really was an up and coming, seemed to have a legitimate career. Yeah, where do, where do we leave off? Where are we So at? I believe the last thing we talked about was she invited her estranged husband, Paul, to lunch. He thought they were going to reconcile. She officially said, no, I'd like to get divorced. Then she left and then he just went on this just started acting crazy, yeah, became obsessed with procur procuring a gun yeah. and was telling a lot of people weird stories right. about past um, play Playboy playmates yeah. who had died or been killed right. and how it messed up like Playboy's features that have to pull their photos if they could right. and how one of them was making a movie and how it totally like effed up like messed up the release and of the he movie. was he was like a man on the edge and he was already kind of on couldn't the make edge. rent and he was like basically pimping women out you probably got this from the last episode but right. like so know. his meal ticket his his ticket to the moon so to speak yeah she said she had said, just yeah. she had just taken that ticket away and said no right. you're on your own adios but in a nice way because she was really nice i know that's the lesson here she i mean honestly though don't be too nice but 
her kindness lives on, I guess, yeah. through just the stories. I don't know. It's hard to say. But um, at this point, he was he had like plans to confront her. And he was yeah. like, I'm going to confront her. I'm going to confront that bitch. And so it almost seems like the way we're, you know, what we're talking through is like, yes, he's he's super psychotic about her. But he's also like fucking crazy about and vindictive the, like yeah about the playboy mansion and yes, all that well, about because Hugh Hefner we talked so much uh, well I don't know about so much but we yeah. talked a lot about in the first episode his obsession with the playboy mansion mm-hmm. with Hugh Hefner with wanting to befriend him having you know the Chippendales idea yeah. and really like loving feeling like part of the it crowd yeah. by being in that mansion but with those nobody parties. like Hugh's not calling him back she's not calling him nobody back. is calling he him can't back. get into the so he tries he has this whole idea that there's they have this huge party at the playboy mansion called the midsummer yeah the midsummer night's dream party and yes. it's like a massive to do a massive affair it's like the party of the summer yeah and so he has a plan he is going to confront dorothy and peter bogdanovich at this party right but of course when he goes to the party, denied. They will not let him Get in. Get the fuck out of and here! And I guess he just stands outside, like the gate, just like railing oh my God. at this party. Yeah. And eventually, I think they have security come and remove him. Oh, I wish they would have just. And the funny thing is, is Dorothy him. wasn't even there. Right. She was like laying low. Right. She didn't even go to the party. So. Crazy Even if guy. he'd been let in, there would have been no right. Like he to was confront. waiting for somebody to come in and out or something. Yeah, and he yeah, was going to go in and he was going to give them a piece of her mind. Yeah. So, as all of this has been unfolding, she she telling him that she she telling him she she's telling told him she telling him <laughs> something he is going. <laughs> um, she is moved in to Peter's house. They do say that she actually got her own apartment, but it was another young actress was living there. So that was their way of still trying to keep their relationship a bit sure. of a secret. So she had a, a lease on her. Um, she had a lease somewhere else, but she was living with Peter. Her younger sister, Louise, had actually come down from Canada and was visiting. Um, and they were all just having a really wonderful time. Right, like how old was her? Like 12, right? Louise is 12 at this point. I think she's... I think she's around 12. Cause yeah, she. I mean, I, she's probably 12 or 13. Yeah. You know, and she's she, young, but she's old enough to be all about, you know, this awesome life yeah. that her sister's and got she, going on. And you know, like, he, uh, Peter has, like, teenage kids, so they're like, right, you go all, hang out and have fun. and Yeah, so she's enjoying a wonderful visit. It's summer in Los Angeles, oh and she's living in a Bel Air mansion. So about a week after the initial lunch, yeah, she's been meeting with lawyers, they're kind of figuring out the money aspect of it right. and the Dor- divorce of the, the di- divorce. Yeah. Sorry. And, and Dorothy is determined that this is, she wants to take care of him. She wants to right. financially give him what she believes he is owed. Plus Which, she actually doesn't have all that much money at this right. point. You know, she's just starting out. Yeah. She might have a lot of nice things and is living in a nice house, but her actual net worth right. isn't that large. And she wants to take care of, of Paul. She wants to do right by him. And she also really wants the divorce to be amicable because she really is grateful for him. So she's meeting with her lawyer. <sighs> she sets up um, another lunch where they're going to get, or a, a, basically a meeting to get together mm-hmm. um, at their old apartment to f- like finalize the financial arrangement. Right. And all of the lawyers are like, you don't have to do this. You know, you can send a lawyer in your place. Right. And she's like, no, I want this to be amicable. I really want to do it myself. I also think it'll go over better. I think he'll be more likely to accept our offer if I go than if I send a lawyer. I think Mm. he'll make like a big fuss. 
And even Louise, her 12, 13 year old sister is like, I don't think you should go over there by yourself. I really don't right. want you to, what can I come with you? Right. Cause they have plans for later on after they meet up. It's, um, they're going to meet it's, So it's going to it's Saturday, August 14th. And she's going to meet up with him. And then she tells Louise, no, you stay here, hang out with, you know, Peter's kids, enjoy. Yeah. I'll be back at two and we'll go shopping and we'll have a whole fun day. Right. So, but she's, but Tor- Dorothy didn't tell anybody else. Didn't tell Peter, didn't tell Hugh. No, and in fact, told Louise not to tell yeah. them where she was going because yeah. everybody told her you shouldn't go by yourself or you shouldn't go period. You should just I send mean, the lawyers. Why didn't she just listen? I, I think mean, she thought she could control the situation. And I think that she was one of the only people that no matter how bad or weird or ugly yeah. it, or exploitative that it got, she never saw him the way that everybody else saw him. She so. never saw him as capable of being a bad person. She was grateful to him and she really truly never believed that he would ever do anything to hurt her, even though he had done nothing but cause her like right. pain and strife over the entire time they'd been married. So at this point we can assume he'd never physically hurt her. There is no, yeah. and nothing that I saw or read ever yeah. suggested that he was physically violent with yeah. her or ever did anything yeah. to her that would have been abuse. Well, the crazy Other thing than is emotional, maybe. Right. Well, for sure. Yeah. But like, you know, the crazy thing is, is like they, they've only been together for two or three years at this point, right? Like they met, I think in 78. Yeah. And, and it's 1980 80. and they got married in 79. Yeah. So it's so, all, no, I mean, they met, it was all a whirlwind, you know? And so yeah. was her whole life. Everything right. that happened to her from that, from the moment that he kind of came into her life, it just happened like lightning fast. Right. I can't even, including their marriage and now their divorce. Right. They're getting divorced like six months into their marriage, I think. Right. So she's just like the bee's knees or a in, year. in Hollywood even, which is crazy. Yeah, she's the, she is like, she's like a play. The new that never, there's the crossover never happens or rarely happens. Especially I guess like you said, Marilyn yeah. was the last person who crossed over. And they really, really everyone, not just Hugh Hefner and not just Paul and not just Peter. Everybody really saw a legitimate future right. as an actress yeah. for Dorothy, which was, I think at least at this time period. No, I mean, I would say even still today, I can't think of somebody who became a serious actress that started off. Not really. Serious celebrity, sure, but serious actress that was taken seriously and making movies with Audrey Hepburn. Well, and I mean, I will say the power of Playboy is not, it's it's pretty nil right now. Yeah, but and this was a big time for all of that stuff. It's crazy, yeah. I mean, huge. And it was so funny. So after we did the last episode, I actually was kind of curious about some of the Hugh Hefner stuff and yeah. Amazon has an original documentary series on Hugh Hefner. Oh my so gosh. I didn't watch the whole thing. I literally went to the episode <sighs> that had this story as part of the episode. Right. And weirdly when this all went down right before the 25th anniversary search and everything was uh-huh. launched, Playboy was basically like, bankrupt like was going bankrupt, was losing money for the first time ever. Really? So when Penthouse had become like they were going for broke on oh, Penthouse, yeah, like so much so that you couldn't even display them anymore. That's how naughty right. they've gotten. I like, remember thinking Penthouse showed like sex, and also oh, they showed sex, and they also like sex. cream. Yeah, they showed. And by cream, I mean yeah. like human <laughs> human substances. You can say it, Vanya. Jizz. <laughs> Sorry, I mean it's fine. But I didn't realize that that Playboy had kind of been on the brink. I didn't know that either. And 
when all of this happened. And so when this happened, you know, when the story that we're talking about kind of all went down, that was actually just yet another kind of like sucker punch. Not that it matters because in the grand scheme of things, Playboy was just fine. Yeah. But this was in his biography that I was watching in this series. This was another big blow for Playboy. Um, So it's Saturday, August 14th. And there are varying, varying times that suggest when she arrived at the apartment. Some people say she got there around 11 a.m. Other people say, or the private investigator he hired says that he saw her car pull up at 1230. Okay. So there's like varying discrepancies in the time that she arrived. But basically... So the private investigator was watching? Well, no. I think he... Well, yeah. His job was to trail Trail her. her. (laughs) Not inside the house, but to kind of watch where she was. So... As we mentioned in the last episode, they had two roommates. So there's Patty, the young girl, and then the doctor, whose name, I guess we just never bothered to get. Dr. Kushner. Oh, Kushner. Jeez. Come out of my ass. That just came right out of my ass. Is that really his name? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Kushner. Dr. Kushner. Um, So they have two roommates, but the roommates, Patty basically went roller skating with a friend or something to get out of the house for the meeting. And the doctor was, I guess, really, he was a doctor. He had a life and things going on. So even though it was a Saturday, nobody else was around when she came over. Later on that evening, um, Patty came home with a friend and noticed that Dorothy's car was still there, Mm -hmm. but went inside, saw that Peter's bedroom door was closed and it was kind of quiet. And so she thought, oh, maybe... Maybe they Maybe reconciled. Maybe they reconciled. So and she... And her purse was on the on the steps. Right. Her purse was still out in there. And so they're thinking, oh, maybe they are just in the bedroom. They've reconciled. The doctor comes home. Everybody's... No, I mean, nobody's really thinking all that much of it. They watch right. some TV. And then eventually, I'm pretty sure it was the the private investigator had been calling and calling and calling because her car was still there. Oh. And they'd rec- they, the roommates re- recognized the that roommates nobody was rec- answering the phone. And they kept hearing the phone ring. And then I guess Goldstein finally called the apartment uh, like or a different line. So there was like Paul's line and then I guess the house line and basically said, can you please go check? Oh, I read that um, also that uh, at this point. So like, you know, Luis was told 2 p.m. We're going to go shopping. 5 p.m. rolls around. She starts worrying. 8 p.m. starts rolls mm-hmm. around and like Peter's kind of like what the hell and so she finally also tells him and then she and then Peter gets his number and calls and calls and calls as well right so the phone is just ringing and ringing and no and they're one's like what the hell so and finally the, the doctor was like I didn't even hear that I haven't even heard the bathroom flash at all so right. they go in and check so they go knock on the door there's no answer they open the door and both of them are interviewed in several of the documentaries you yeah. and I watch and they both say that it is such a horrifying yeah sight when they open the door that it's something that neither of them will ever forget they kind of open the door and then immediately like slammed the door shut right and basically what they saw was the nude bodies of both dorothy and paul laying laying in what one what patty i believe described as it looked like a bad horror movie set she said it looked like mannequins with fake blood everywhere right so like please pieces of face on the curtain pieces of yeah like flesh and th- stuff everywhere Ugh, so, so upsetting. obviously the police are called um i believe it's actually goldstein that calls the playboy mansion calls a bunch of times 
Hugh Hefner's like, I'm not taking the phone call from Paul Snyder's fucking PI. But I guess he is so persistent and he is like, this is an emergency. I need to talk to him. So he finally takes the call. He's told, you know, that she had been shot in a murder-suicide. He can't believe it. And so then he actually calls uh, Peter Bogdanovich, Hugh Hefner, and tells him. And he says that because there's no, like, response at all he doesn't even know for sure if he heard him but i guess peter was so completely despondent at the news he had to be sedated like he couldn't like he fainted and like couldn't deal with it so upsetting so the police come and they basically determine that dorothy had been sexually assaulted yeah she had been shot in the face with a 12 gauge shotgun um and then and then she was sodomized after she was after death, and then that Paul had committed. Then Paul had shot himself in the face, or in the I think yeah, in, like, yeah, it was in, in the, face. the face. It was like the temple or something. So, left temple behind the eyes. Yeah, it's it's unbelievably sad. It's unbelievably and sad and honestly shocking. Like, why would he? I I don't understand. Listen, I know he was a man on the edge and he wanted to screw everybody over. But why would he violently rape her and then like sodomize her corpse? Like, I don't I know. Don't get and it. see, to me, here's the thing. I 100% believe that he committed the crime. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't question it. I I have no doubt based on everything we know about him, how desperate he was, the crazy things well, he, we was saying, he was saying. Well, we knew he was going to kill her, for sure. The fact that he purchased the 12-gauge shotgun yeah. within the week between their two lunch meetings about the divorce. Yeah. But... There were a couple of people that suggested that they were both murdered by somebody else. And weirdly enough, I don't believe that, but I'm just going to throw this out here and play play devil's advocate. That's crazy. The only aspect of this, of the murder that makes me think that could be possible Mm -hmm. is there is nowhere in their relationship in his past where there was sexual abuse or assault. He, it, it, that aspect of it, I mean, unless right. he was that enraged, but to well, to not only rape her and then kill her, that part I could see, but like, why necrophilia? Like, yeah. that's weird. And so I'm I'm gonna just go on record and say that I believe that he killed her 100. Right. percent But the devil's advocate part of my brain that says, well, there are people that think this. That's the one part of me that's like, well, I guess I could see how maybe you could think it could sure. be something else because that's so weird. Right. And so horrible. Well, and also they this is like just such an awful, disgusting uh detail, but like she had been tied to his weird gross love seat Yeah, remember thing. the sex bench I mentioned yeah. in the last episode that he built when but he was he, building exercise? Tape everywhere. Medical tape. Medical tape. Uh, used but and I unused wonder, like, pieces. Like how did he get her naked? Was he like just one more Fuck, and then I'll leave you alone forever. I mean, I'm assuming he probably was threatening her. Yeah, he probably just overpowered her. I think he, and also held a gun on her. Yeah. And you just do what you just do what you do to try to stay alive in that situation. Yeah. But it's just so awful. But what was the theory? Like, that, how did someone else get in there? So, well, Goldstein said that. But wasn't he outside watching the house? Yes, but I mean, I don't know. I just read an okay, article. Okay. Or something. I, I don't. It doesn't really give all that much information. Just that his theory was that uh, there had been some kind of drug deal thing that had gone bad with in a deal with Snyder and some other like unemployed actor, and that that was the person that killed them both. So much so that at the time he was hounding police 
for like pringer like fingerprint results oh, Goldstein in the room. Was? Goldstein was like, I, you need to do all, test all the fingerprints in the room. You need to run like gunshot residue tests on him to make sure. But they were, the, the police said that there was so much blood on his hands. There would have been no way to actually test oh, yeah. for the residue. Um, which again, <sighs> proves that he did it. It is so sad. I mean, listen, it is always so sad when somebody dies. It's just really it's really sad when somebody's at the beginning of their sort of like, right. I don't know. And when somebody not believed fair. so much in the goodness of people that even with all of the warning signs, even with all right. of the crazy behavior and the, the red flags, so to speak, that everybody else could see that she couldn't or that she couldn't or didn't want to see. Yeah. But that really, if she had any fault in this, it's just that she believed deep down that that he was a good person that right. had done so much for her well they said uh her flaw was not being able to see the evil in somebody she right. never did she just never saw she never the saw bad that. in anybody um i will i always i'm like i am an aggressive optimist but i'm also i have to be aggressive because i'm always like what it was right so i'm the opposite of her but i got but he had apparently he had it all planned out yeah just, i mean he had been Desperate yeah. to get his hands on a gun. He knew exactly what he was going to do. I think he did it not just to take back control of her and to make sure that she was never going to go anywhere without him, right. but also to stick it to Hugh Hefner. Of course. Because yeah. her big whole thing, big spread of being the playmate of the year right. and like the, all of the... He wanted to be that, but there was no way he was going to be that. He was just no. like delusional as and hell. He, so he wanted to punish all of them. He mm. wanted it to ruin... Bogdanovich's film, which yeah. it did. Yeah. He wanted it to ruin the Did they finish shooting it? The, it they been, did. It had they, already been okay, finished. It was um, but because of the circumstances surrounding her death, any major studio was really reluctant and ultimately right. didn't choose to And the pick. film was called They All Laughed. Just yeah. for a refresher from And it was episode. literally about people having affairs and being followed by private investigators. And so as the yeah, details came out about this case, it just it just seemed like a bad move financially yeah. to back the movie. Apparently, he Peter Bogdanovich couldn't make films for a really long time. Yeah, like he did eventually, but like not for years. For a really long time. And, and one of another interesting thing is he was so such a believer in her talent, right. not just her beauty, that when the studios failed to purchase the film for wide release, he used his own personal money yeah. to finance a theatrical, like a wide theatrical release. And unfortunately, even though apparently the reviews, like the critic reviews of the movie were really good. I want to see it. I'd like to see it too. I think we can, we should, we should, I think we can watch yeah. it. We can rent it or buy it, but, yeah. but it, it never, yeah. it was never successful. And he lost almost all of his savings, all of his yeah. money. But he, but honestly he was, Clearly, he really did love her because, you know, they were they were planning to get married. And he said, you know, listen, if I, we were going to get married, I would take care of his her mom and everything. Yeah, and, so he did. And he did. And I guess, okay, so here's the next phase that happens. Yeah. So she dies. And like, what was it? Three months prior, Nellie. Uh, right. We mentioned. Stratton. That's the mom. Yeah. We had mentioned. Um, got married. That she had gotten remarried and that. Uh, Paul had kind of crashed that wedding. Right. Oh, okay. So, right. So what happened was, you know how um, Luis is waiting for her sister. Mm -hmm. So she's in LA at at Peter's house waiting, 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 waiting. Mm -hmm. They tell her nothing. They just say, you got to get on a plane. You have to go right now. 
she they had she, she they had say to, she had to go to new york for a merv griffin uh, she show. was gonna appear on merv griffin yeah. and she'll call you later yeah. she's so sorry that's yeah. what they tell this isn't kid. that weird they just like they just couldn't break the news so she's on a plane back to vancouver and meanwhile the mounties come to her mom's house nelly in vancouver and, and give um, her the awful news right and she collapses and has to be sedated as well yeah she's completely heartbroken so then louise gets home Nobody still nobody and tells still her. Nobody tells her. In fact, doesn't she say that she didn't really understand what had happened until they were at the funeral? Yes. yes. And they said that it was her sister. Yeah. Which to me, I'm like, that can't be true. And I don't mean that in that you're lying. Right. Somebody told you, and everything that was going on was so traumatic. Maybe yeah. that you just never fully absorbed that yeah. until that moment. Because there's no way you make it all the way to a funeral without right? real without anyone being like there's no your way. sister is dead. I totally agree with you, but that's that's but everything I think you that's look at. One of that's those crazy things is that she the first time she realized her sister was gone was yeah. at the funeral when her eulogy was being read. And that to me means that like it's so sad. She had I would she die. couldn't process the information. I would die. And that was the first time it was real for her. And so Peter took care But Peter Peter took care of her mom, her sister, her brother, the whole family. Yeah. And one of the weird, so there's some like really stupid bullshit shit that the bullshit shit. There's some bullshit shit. Some serious bullshit <laughs> shit goes on. But basically, so the new husband, Nellie's new husband. Right. The mom, yeah. Because Nellie is so distraught, distraught can't and do anything, can't make any and decisions. And catatonic at this point. Yeah. The husband, it kind of falls to the husband to make certain arrangements so he does a couple of weird things he gets her cremated without in los asking, angeles in los angeles without asking that's fucking anyone. insane i mean listen the head was gone her head was gone basically Sure, it was never going to be an open casket or anything like that but, but you don't you should something you should talk like to cremation people. versus burials maybe something you yeah. find out from the family what they want not or like new. peter you know or anybody yeah so then peter had her ashes buried right um, in I can't remember the name of the cemetery, but it's like the Westlake something it's cemetery. The same That's cemetery. where Marilyn Monroe yeah. is buried. And now Hugh Hefner. And now Hugh Hefner. And Peter Bogdanovich bought a plot next to Dorothy's yeah. as well. So when That's... he passes, he will be buried next to her. Sweet. Um, but the yeah. so the stepdad, I guess, so to speak, does some really questionable things. And basically the usual thing happens when oh, there's right. this Hollywood scandal yeah. is all of the Fucking yucky producers yucky come up. People come out. Like, all of the people trying to make money and say, I knew her and all this stuff. And one of those people, unfortunately, is her mom's new husband who's right. trying to like monetize. Monetize her death. Bullshit. So bullshit shit. And bullshit shit. <laughs> and in a beautiful move. This is something that I found so kind of like sad and beautifully ironic because what her mom did in that situation oh. was what Dorothy should have done yeah. from the very beginning was that yes. she kicked his fucking ass to the curb. Yeah, she got divorced. She said, no. Get the fuck out of here. You don't get to take this my daughter's life and tragedy and make money off of it. Nope. Get the hell out yeah. of here. And she divorced him and never looked back. Thank God. And Peter kept his word and yeah. was there for the family emotionally and financially. Yeah. He put on her gravestone. There's like a weird little fun fact. Not fun, but sad fact. Um, he put a quote because she was always like, you know, she was reading always and like, and she liked to write poetry. She liked poetry. She liked literature. And she, from uh, Ernest Hemingway, which book was it? Read the quote. Okay, here's a quote. To me. 
If people bring so much courage to this world, the world has to kill them to break them. So, of course, it kills them. It kills the very good and the very gentle. And the, turning the page, very brave impartially. If you are none of these, you can be sure that it will kill you too, but there will be no special hurry. So, I mean, it's actually really sad. Yeah, I think that's from A Farewell to Arms. It is, you're right. And this is also kind of, I think, a weird... I hate to just say fun fact when we're talking about murder because fun fact isn't isn't the right yeah. phrase, but interesting fact. So one of the things that happened after Dorothy was murdered is that her murder kind of became enmeshed in pop culture. Right. Like tons of movies were made. That's and true. All kinds of stuff. And what is fascinating is the major motion picture that was made called Star 80, which was directed by Bob Fosse and starred Eric Roberts and Muriel Hemingway. It was Muriel, Bob Fosse's last directorial right. project. But Muriel Hemingway then. is the great granddaughter yes. of Ernest yep, Hemingway. Yep, that's so that was like one of those weird connections. Yeah. But So the movie was called Star 80, and that was actually named because when they got to L.A., Paul bought himself a fancy new Mercedes with Dorothy's money and got vanity plates. And also she had like a, like a, just a junker, but whatever. She, just drove, she drove that like, until, until she died. Yeah, like that she was the had car that. that was in front of his yeah. house. But he got vanity plates that said star 80 on it because he was convinced that she was going to be the biggest star of 1980. Right. And he was right. She really was. Yeah. Um, but that's why that movie was called that. Uh, yeah, that's. I also I didn't see it because there was so much research to do. Right, I would have loved to have watched it, but I again, I, I think, and I want to watch know, her I think movie I would because I think um, the guy, what was his name, Eric Roberts, he either he was up for a Academy Award. They say that was his breakout role, actually. Yeah. yeah. So Eric so he Roberts, plays the, he plays the crazy. He plays Paul Snyder. Paul Snyder, and it was considered to be. I think he was maybe even nominated for... I think he was. Yeah, yeah. stuff. But that yeah. was his big breakout role. Yeah. Um, he is also the brother of Julia Roberts. And we'll oh. just keep going round and round. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was in a lot of the documentaries, He was really... Too. Yeah, he was. He was really big, I think, in the early 80s. I see. As an actor. So pre... Yeah, pre he's, he's the big brother, I think. Yeah. Playboy also issued a statement when she died immediately after her death, which said, The death of Dorothy Stratton comes as a shock to us all. As Playboy's Playmate of the Year with a film and television career of increasing importance, her professional future was a bright one. But equally sad to us is the fact that her loss takes from us all a very special member of the Playboy family. It's a little weird. It's like... Well, it's, it's just so... It's not enough. It's like... It's nothing. Could have been somebody died of nothing. Oh, yeah. Well, because well, that's uh, well, the great article we mentioned yes. that we will now mention repeatedly yeah. because everybody read this Teresa Carpenter Pulitzer Prize winning article. It's yeah, it's so really well written and also so interesting and kind of really so succinctly. Yeah, like just first, navigates everything. Totally, the first line of it, Dorothy Stratton. Well, the first thing it says, "Death of a Playmate" is what it was called. Dorothy Stratton was the focus of the dreams and ambitions of three men. One killed her. Yeah. And the three men are? Are Hugh Hefner, Peter Bogdanovich, and Paul Snyder. Yeah. And, and Paul. it talks about how they're all equally culpable for what yeah. happened to her. And I'd like to think that we kind of touched on that a little bit in I terms do. of the way that yeah. they managed her and kind of she was, she just allowed them to 
take full control. Yeah. And so she just, control of Dorothy was passed from one person to the next. And the, the first person who ever had control over her couldn't stand that he'd lost that control. And so he took her life. Yeah. But I think that this article and why I totally recommend, we will 100% link to it. Yeah. Um, why I recommend reading it is that it, it does such a good job of, of showing you how everyone who was in her life at the time is culpable to a degree. Yeah. You know, Paul's the one that pulled the trigger. He murdered her. But how she ended up in the circumstances, I think there was a great line that we should find before the end Which about one? the role of Playboy in creating a person like Paul Snyder. Ooh, right? I don't know that. Oh, I will find it. You start talking now. Okay, so, <laughs> well, where are we at? So society blamed Playboy. Um, at this point, uh, Peter wrote a book about her and he, cause he couldn't, he felt like he had to convey what she was like. He felt like, so he starts writing this book and the more and more things, you know, come out, came out, he kept writing this book and the book is called the killing of a unicorn. And, you know, everyone was just talking about how pop culture, you know, so many things sort of spurn from this, from Dorothy Stratton. Cause you know, I mean, it's just, it's the darkness of Hollywood a little bit that like, fascinates us all that are not that's I guess not a part of the darkness of Hollywood but like I mean I I even think about I mean I even think about uh what's that yucky guy who was a Miramax person Harvey Weinstein like there was a time and there is and we're trying to get and everybody's trying to get better where women were always objectified always screwed over looking for someone to and like you know I'm sensitive about this as being a I'm not really you know a working actor anymore but like being somebody in it's just you just especially as a young actress you felt like you're always like it's always up it's to always someone up to else. somebody else yeah, yeah. somebody and so else always gets to make it the makes, decision of whether or not you get to have a successful exactly moment. and we've even we've heard all the stories of incredibly inc- successful women having this awful moments with harvey weinstein and like i mean it seems like hugh hefner was a really nice person but like he also put pressure on women in different ways. I mean, for sure, because the whole, you know, yeah. whole place was a thing. Um, but yeah, there, but the there's a bunch of songs. Well, not a bunch, but like uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers play uh, created the song Californication. Right. And they mention, <clears throat> excuse me, they mention her. They mentioned Dorothy Stratton as the unicorn. Right, the firstborn unicorn, hardcore soft yeah. porn is the line. Firstborn unicorn, <laughs> hardcore soft porn, dream of California, girl. Everybody sing it with me. Anyway, dream of California, girl. Yeah. But you know what I think is also <laughs> interesting about that, um, the book, that yeah. the unicorn. The killing, the killing of the, of the unicorn. unicorn. So we had mentioned in the last episode that Peter, that Peter Bogdanovich and Hugh Hefner were like best friends. Oh, right. They have never spoken again after this book came out because not only you know does all of the horrible things about Paul Snyder come about but basically he accuses Hugh Hefner of raping Dorothy at the Playboy Mansion and that's why she married Paul that's where I got that information from the last episode Well, I know that um whatever Dorothy told I didn't know what it was but whatever Dorothy told um Peter made him write that he mm-hmm. put it in the book. Yeah, well, he said that. I mean, how could you not believe him? Why would he? Why would he fake that? Why would he not? Why would he oh, lie I'm, about that? I'm not that? saying he was. No, lying. I know, but I just like because they the the Playboy family like lost their minds over it. Oh and apparently, yeah, I mean, and they they sued him for libel again. Like this book 
much like the movie that he financed on his own also was kind of a like career and financial destroyer of Peter. And it's interesting. So now we're going to get into something a little bit to me that I think the more I think about it, the more I, I guess I get it, but was also weird. So remember 13 year old sister Louise? Yeah. I do. I remember. Remember her? Yep. Yeah. Louise so, Hookstratton, which actually and she, she changed took her name, name to Stratton. Stratton. Um, in the grief of it all, of the grief of losing her sister, of mm-hmm. losing a family member, and his the only grief. person in his extreme grief, the only person who really knew what they were, each other were going through, was the two of Peter them. and and Louise. And so they became super close in share in the sharing of their grief, and then they said that over time they became. Super close. It came, became different. Just as the two of them. Yeah. And they ended up getting married. At, when she was 20 years old. And he was 50. Which is seven years later. He was 49. Yeah. Right. But I mean, they <laughs> were married for 13, 13 years. years. They got divorced in 2001. Yeah. Um, and they're still friends. And they're still friends. They're still business partners. Yeah. Which I think is, you know what? I'm, I don't know why, but I'm okay with it. I feel like. It, it seems, seems like a weird detail, but I also feel like. It within grief, <clears throat> so all much, kinds of weird all shit kinds goes of stuff down. Happens and yeah, but yeah, no, they. I, I think one of the most recent things they did was a Buster Keaton documentary, which I really want to watch because yeah, I love Buster. Keaton. I love Buster Keaton. I love comedy. I love physical comedy. I'm gonna check it out. Thank you, P- Peter Bogdanovich yeah. and Louise Stratton. I will check it out. We will and check I hope, it out. I honestly like. I kind of. I like also love that they're not married anymore, but they're still friends. So right, because I that think that speaks to the, 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 the truth of their relationship. Yeah. Like the, the, the foundation of it was was very real and very strong. Because yeah. even if their marriage didn't work out, it still lasted 13 years. Yeah. And then when it didn't work out in the end, they still remained friendly. Yeah, I think that's so pretty I think, good. I think they had something real. I just thought that was like an interesting. I mean, that's like the last fucking not so crazy twist. I mean, right. that's insane. Like he marries his like love's sister yeah his murdered like lover's baby sister yeah but it does seem like that one was real so not super scandalous it wasn't like they were married and then divorced six months later or anything like that right that would have been or like some weird thing like um you know getting together with her when she was 13 or something that would be upsetting right it seems like it wasn't that way so as far as we know right it was uh very kosher and everything's fine in that way um, <laughs> but let's see what else you got. Okay. Well, the last, so the, uh, the, the article that we were talking about, um, there's two things that spawned Bob Fosse's movie star 80 or not spawned, but like what actually inspired. inspired. Thank you. Was, is the last line of that article, um, where they say, as for Paul Schneider, his body was returned to Vancouver in permanent exile from Hollywood. It was all too big for him. In that Elysium of dreams and deals, he had reached the limits of his class. His sin, his unforgivable sin, was being small time. Which is like, oh, that's so upsetting. But that's what that spawned, like, you know, somebody read that article and they're like, ooh, this guy, man, yeah. this guy. This guy, like, wanted to be big time, but just was never going to yeah. be. And in desperate, like, chasing of that. Can I actually read you something that Please. I, from the article, Ooh, you found that it. I thought, I just thought, I think this puts, mm. just, just pins this whole thing on the nose for Please. me. Yes. So, 
despite his, his being Hugh Hefner's, this is all a quote, despite his best efforts, however, she was destroyed. The irony that Hefner does not perceive, or at least fails to acknowledge, is that Stratton was destroyed not by random particulars, but by a germ breeding within the ethic. One of the tacit tenets of the Playboy philosophy that women can be possessed had found a fervent adherent in Paul Snyder. Yeah. That to me it says everything about the culpability of all of these people. Right. Is that the culture of Playboy created the kind of beliefs that a man like Paul Snyder could hold on to, that he owned this woman, that she was his, his wife, his meal ticket, his ticket to the moon, so to speak, and that that kind of culture wow. was, was propagated by of course. the Playboy magazines, and not just the Playboy magazines, but the Penta, all of them. Yeah, but, but I just thought that, that that was the line that really stuck And that's from the article. At. That's from the article. Wow. And that one really stuck, like, stuck out to me, where I was like, yes, there's more than just... I mean, he is... He is the murderer. He is responsible yeah. for what happened. But the scenario. Right. <laughs> but the scenario that led them there. All mm -hmm. of the various ways that they that that she ended up in his home. Trying to right. offer him a financial settlement from a marriage yeah. that was done either out of you know, naive love or a way to protect herself from right. an older, you know, touchy feely Hugh Hefner, whatever this, the reality of it is, it's like all one big twisted ball mm -hmm. of, of yuck. It is. And I hope that, I mean, I really hope that this is less and like we can completely nullify this bullshit now. It's not fair. I mean, I, I, you know what I think is funny is, you know, I have a few random people I know who are, who always, who are like, well, uh, you know, a white guy can't get anything anymore these days. And I'm like, Fuck or you know off. what I mean? Like some, yeah. some, jo some joking about like, uh, what about the poor white man? And I'm just like, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you're white or whatever. But the point is certain people don't believe that women were less than or ever ever had it hard right and i don't understand how the, but guess what they're not m women at all right you know it doesn't matter what but like i think it every time we research something and and, and every historical anything we look at it's always us ladies or ladies in the past doing being you know having to like navigate waters very coyly having to navigate a man's to world to be to survive and yeah. not just survive like in the business world but survive to literally your life survive your life women have to do and still do we've yeah, made so so many strides but i mean i would say unfortunately and i don't think of myself as a negative person but i think we are light years away from anything that looks like equality and or a situation where women have autonomy and full control over their bodies yeah. in both like I hope the we're legal not. sense and also we got, just we all like have the to world push. we live in. We do have to push and we'll continue to push. Everyone but get think, out there and vote. I know, please vote. But I'm just saying that like, even with all of the great strides that we've made, yeah. women still have to navigate yeah. and dance through this world. Yeah, totally. And do what is necessary to survive. Right literally it's little like life and death people so and just, so that's something that i think is well one thing that we should all be constantly fighting towards working on and for god's sake voting in mm -hmm. our own best interests 
Yeah. But I do think that this is such a good example of a man's world and a woman who was taken advantage of. Yeah. Who was used up in every sense of the word, either like to financially get make money off of her mm-hmm. or and actually in every way because every man that was using her was and she was 20 years her. old she was 20 years old from the age of 18 to 20 she managed to on her own with some like obviously pushing in certain ways by mm-hmm. these men but none of these things happen because the man said you will put her in playboy you will no, put her in was, these movies she, she did that pretty she did, she did and that herself she very gorgeous and she inside, was yeah. inside and, out. and ta- untalented yeah but it was still always you know what she could do for them yeah i know how they could use her this is why this is my favorite thing about doing this podcast hi this is vanya again um, is Bonnie's that, the rom. I'm the rom. Let but, her bring the light right but now. I, I'm going to bring the light, but I'm going to bring the uh, um, soldier because I feel empowered to just be like, no, we're going to fight. We're going to, you know, I feel, yes, I'm bringing the light. I always, I love the light, but I feel like we can't, even as nice as I want to be to everybody and as much as I want people to like me and all those things yeah. that we hate about ourselves, I still... I'm. A, I don't want to be walked over either. So you know, just let's, let's just all have some tea and enjoy. It. No, I'm kidding. But like, let's. No, but let's definitely. Yeah. Never forget the the story. These stories when we talk about empowering. That's why I like them. Women and when we talk about, you know, everything going on, especially when we when you're talking about like Me Too movement stuff with Harvey Weinstein yes. and all those people that are like, why is she coming forward now? And all those things that just make me right. crazy. When I'm just like, just believe women. Right. You know, and and know that like the world is different and hard. Right. And I, I'm a white woman, and so I already know that like my experience is so much easier than so many other women. But still, you know, still a lady. But still, but I'm just saying, like, even with my own distinct like misunderstanding of the world, because I do happen to be a white woman instead of a woman who isn't white, whose, whose existence as a woman in this world is infinitely more challenging than mine just because of that. And that's something that yeah. I can't, I'll never understand. And so when you really like dig into the complexities of the oppression of women, Ooh, we're getting deep. we must, yeah. you have to believe them. And yeah. you have to understand that sometimes it does take time to come forward. Sorry, I'm getting real. No, I, I mean, I 100% agree with you. I just get so angry when people yeah. use the like, why are they coming forward now? I and know. I'm like, oh, I agree. because do you know how hard it is? Yeah. Like, look at Anita Hill. Look at Monica Lewinsky. Like, I people know. who are either forced, who are outed about something like that right. or who come forward. Um, it's yeah. It's miserable. It's hard. It's horrible. It's torturous. Somebody I just follow on Instagram. I can't remember which crime podcast thing it was, but they were talking about how, or no, it wasn't. It was a feminist thing. It was ATT, whatever that, or Attention Now, whatever. Anyways, they were talking about how people don't listen to women's um, in healthcare, like when I've when you have this. pain, like it, you know it, that actually makes no sense to me because if if the whole which is not true, but apparently right. we women take can take more pain than men. I don't know if that's actually necessarily true. I think we're true. just less bitchy about it. <laughs> men are such bitches when they're they, they have a, like a little bit of a cold, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, my I life know. is over. I'm well, like, maybe that's true, but that's, I'm, but my, that's, my uterus is literally shedding itself, yeah. and I'm working. <laughs> I'm just putting that out. But there. I'm saying that, like, uh, you Our know, threshold. It takes women like ten, nine years. Apparently, di- being diagnosed with like. Uh, 
I forget which one it was, but anyways, it takes like close to 10 years. Poor people like, you know, suffer. But like my thing is, is like if we, if a woman complains and you should really because, should be listening. Yeah, because if we don't complain, then, you know, anyways, guys, thank <laughs> you for joining us this. Uh, I I really like this one only yeah. because I feel like it brought up some really interesting issues. Yeah. And I also think it's a story that should be remembered and even though i know right. many people did like you and you and i did not know this i had story. no idea about it and so i'm grateful to share her story because yeah. i think it's an an important one yeah and a tragic one for sure but yeah. i i think that it's an important story to share about the world we live in today even in yeah. terms of a woman's a place in a man's world and just yeah. taking you know, control back. I don't know. I've lost myself. I no, got a little okay. too emotional and now I have like it's no okay. correct word okay. verbiage okay. for this. But I think her story was important and I'm yeah. thankful to her. Me too. Dorothy Stratton. Yes. Thank you. Thank you guys. If you uh, liked our show, yeah. please rate, review and subscribe. Tell a friend. Follow us on Instagram. Honestly, just tell a friend to listen because I just want people to enjoy it so yeah. much. We please. want people to listen. Yes. Because we love talking about this stuff. We, we also would, again, we encourage you to send us a message. Yeah. Um, if you have ideas or yeah. maybe a, a lesser known rom crime. That Give it to us. Let us know. Because we would, I would, you know, the lesser known, the better I feel like for us. Yep. It's fun to discover new ones. Yeah. <laughs> Says the morbid crime lady <laughs> over here. It's fun to discover the <laughs> new crimes. And maybe the some without death. Great. That's the unmorbid little lady. <laughs> no, guys, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Birthbone unicorn.